Welcome to Rosalind Franklin University College of Pharmacy Top 200 Drugs Podcast. This podcast is produced by the pharmacy faculty members to supplement study material for students learning the top 200 drugs. We're hoping that our real-life clinical pearls and discussions from practicing pharmacists will help you study for your next drug quiz. No participants have any conflicts of interest to disclose. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to treat a particular patient. This information should not be used in lieu of the judgment of a healthcare provider. This podcast is copyright Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science. And now, on to the show. Welcome to week seven of the Rosalind Franklin University Top 200 Drugs Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dr. Kane. I'm Dr. Weatherton. And I'm Dr. Patel. And this week we'll be talking about antifungals and antiviral agents, as well as over-the-counter products that are also antiviral and antifungal. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get started with our first drug, fluconazole. The brand name is Diflucan. So Dr. Weatherton, would you want to tell us how these azole antifungals work? Sure. The azole antifungals inhibit an enzyme called 14-alpha-demethylase. That enzyme produces a product called ergosterol, which is important for fungal cell membranes. Without that enzyme, cell membranes get holes in them and the cells die. It just so happens that fluconazole is one of the best prototypic drugs that causes drug interactions and that it inhibits metabolism of other drugs. When we inhibit the metabolism of other drugs, what happens to their concentration? The concentration of those drugs would increase in the body, so you can see toxicities related to those medications. Absolutely. And from a pharmacist's perspective, knowing drug interactions and that drug interactions could occur is very, very important. Aside from cytochrome P450 inhibition, are there any other adverse effects of fluconazole? The main thing I think of is increases in liver function tests, so a transaminide. I've heard that fluconazole can also prolong the QTC, but I have no idea what the QTC is. Dr. Patel, what is it? QTC is basically, um, it's an interval when you monitor your EKG, ECG rhythm, and fluconazole is known to prolong the QTC interval. Patients, if they have a prolonged QTC, they're at risk for really bad cardiac dysrhythmias like torsat. Whoa, it sounds like fluconazole can have a lot of side effects. What good effects does it have? What's it used for? So at least in the outpatient setting, vaginal candidiasis. It comes as a one pill and one package, and you just give it to the patient, you're good to go. They take it once, and for the most part, it's extremely effective. So if you want to switch a patient going home on fluconazole from IV to PO, what's the ratio? The ratio from IV to PO with fluconazole is a one-to-one conversion. Because it's so water-soluble, it does get renally eliminated, so we have to look out for renal adjustments for dosing. So talking from pharmacokinetically friendly medication, let's talk about pharmacokinetically challenging medication. And that leads us to our second agent, itraconazole. The brand name is Boronox. Yeah, so unlike fluconazole or diflucan, itraconazole or Spornox is kind of the redheaded angry orphan child of the uh, azole family. One way to remember that is the brand name for itraconazole, Sporanox, looks kind of like Soprano. And you know that Tony Soprano is a very temperamental, angry guy. Why are, why are we saying that it's so temperamental? What's the problem with itraconazole or Sporanox that we don't really see with fluconazole or diflucan? Oral absorption can be tricky particularly since itraconazole is available as an 
oral capsule and as an oral solution, and the rules for giving both of those are different. Yeah, so one of the things that uh, is an issue, at least with the IV formulation, is that uh, this drug, unlike fluconazole, that's pretty water-soluble, this is very lipophilic or water-insoluble. So they have to actually formulate it with something called hydroxypropyl beta-cyclodextrin. Whoa. That, that's a mouthful. And it doesn't matter that you know that it's formulated in that, but it does matter that you know that the IV formulation contains this solubilizing agent, and that can accumulate in patients who have renal dysfunction and cause problems. From the point of view of counseling patients, we discuss uh, how to take the drug very differently between the capsule form and the oral solution form. So the bioavailability is different based on which oral delivery option you choose. I personally like the capsules best because you get to take them with a meal. However, how is the best way to take the solution? On an empty stomach. So remembering that can be a bit of a pain in the cell membrane, I guess. So why are we using itraconazole? Why not just use fluconazole for everyone? Well, um, itraconazole has a little broader spectrum, which means it covers certain endemic uh, dimorphic fungi. Um, Did you say fungi? Yes, I did. Is it fungi or fungi? Or fungi. You know so much about these, Dr. Kane. You're really a fun guy. Who knows? I think they're all right. So um, this endemic dimorphic fungi is found in soil. However, they can be pathogenic, which primarily attacks your lungs. What are the adverse drug reactions to itraconazole like? So similar to fluconazole, we do see QTC prolongation. We, however, it has some rare side effects such as hearing loss and what? also and also photosensitivity. Well, since we're on a on an azole roll, let's move right along to ketoconazole or nizoral. We learned that fluconazole or diflucan can inhibit some things within the human body that it's not meant to. Does ketoconazole or nizoral have similar abilities? Absolutely. So it has extensive inhibition of a number of different enzymes. So we see a lot of drug interactions with the oral form of ketoconazole or nizoral. What sort of things can we use the topical agents for? So really what we commonly will see ketoconazole or nizoral used for is ringworm. So tinea corporis for ringworm anywhere in the body, tinea cruris, which is jock itch, and tinea pedis, which is athlete's foot. There's a number of other skin disorders that it's also used for, but these are the main ones. And there is a topical shampoo form is available for a treatment of dandruff as well. Now moving on from the antifungals to the antivirals, one of the antivirals that we'll be discussing this week is actually a fairly popular drug called Oseltamivir, or Tamiflu is the brand name. I've heard of that. Dr. Patel, what does Tamiflu do? Tamiflu basically inhibits influenza type A and influenza type B virus, and the mechanism is it inhibits the influenza neuraminidase. So uh, we can use this medication both for prevention and the treatment of influenza. So do we have to dose the drug differently if we're trying to prevent influenza versus treating influenza? Definitely. So for prevention, the dose is daily, versus for treatment, it's a twice-a-day administration. So a Tamiflu a day keeps the doctor away. You got it, Dr. Rutherton. Do we see any adverse reactions from Tamiflu or Oseltamivir? The major side effect reported with this medication is mainly GI symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, or diarrhea. However, you can rarely see um, patient complaining of rash or some neuropsychiatric events such as delirium, hallucination, etc. However, um, delirium and hallucination can very well be part of just having plain old flu. 
How is this agent supplied? So the main formulation I'm familiar with is the capsules that we see a lot outpatient. There is an oral suspension that sometimes comes in when it's not on back order, which is most of the time. The good news is that you can make the capsules into an oral suspension by mixing them with any sweetened liquid, like plain cherry syrup within the pharmacy, or if somehow that's unavailable, you can use chocolate syrup or caramel topping. Sweet. Mm, Hershey's. <laughs> oh, I have a question. If I have a patient taking Oseltamivir, is it okay to give them the flu vaccine? That's a great question, Dr. Weatherton. It really depends on what vaccine the patient will receive. Well, most of my patients get the injectable inactivated vaccine. Is that an issue? So that shouldn't be a problem. But if your patient's getting intranasal, which is an attenuated form of influenza vaccine, then there is a theoretical interaction. And I think the idea there is that that vaccine counts on the flu virus to replicate. And if we're giving Tamiflu, the virus can't replicate because it's doing its job. So kind of continuing with our theme of antivirals, uh, the next two agents uh, are actually fairly similar. The first is acyclovir. The brand name is Zovirax. And this is an antiviral treatment. Uh, used for herpes simplex, or HSV, and herpes zoster, which is varicella zoster virus, or VZV, which is also better known as shingles. So you're saying that acyclovir or Zovirax is a really good medicine for both patients with chickenpox and shingles? Actually not. Acyclovir is about 10 times more potent for the HSV virus, or herpes simplex, than the VZV virus, or shingles. So then what other um, purpose um, does acyclovir serve? HSV encephalitis, which is a form of meningitis. And commonly as an outpatient, it's also used for genital or oral herpes. So how does acyclovir work? So the acyclovir is technically a prodrug and that is converted into a toxic metabolite within the cell that are replicating the viral thymidine kinase. And basically, this is an enzyme that is specific to um, both HSV as well as VZV. And the activated acyclovir causes the premature DNA chain termination in the viral, um, viral cells. That sounds bad. When you're treating a uh, patient with acyclovir or Zovirax, how often is it dosed? So dosing can become cumbersome for patients. It's approved by FDA to um, be taken five times daily, and that's that's an oral dosing. However, most commonly it's prescribed as every, every eight hour of dosing. Five times a day? Holy cow. Why do we have to give it so often? Well, acyclovir or Zovirax is not absorbed very well when it's given by mouth. Only about 10 to 20% of every dose is getting where it needs to go. So as far as adverse effects of acyclovir, it's really the common nausea, vomiting, diarrhea type problems. But the drug itself isn't very water soluble. So especially in patients who take it who get dehydrated, it can actually crystallize in the urine and cause what's called nephrolithiasis, which the more common term is kidney stones. Is there any way to avoid that? So when you counsel a patient taking acyclovir, recommend that they should drink it with a full glass of water to ensure that they remain hydrated. Since acyclovir needs to be dosed five five times a day, it sure would be nice if there was a once or twice a day drug that we could take that would do the same thing. Does such a thing exist, Dr. Patel? Oh, you got it. There is a cousin of acyclovir, and the name is Valcyclovir. And the brand name it goes by is Valtrax. And basically, there is an addition of amino acid named Valin um, added to the chemical structure of acyclovir, and that is why the name is Valcyclovir. 
So what do we accomplish by adding the baleen onto the drug structure? It's easier to absorb from the gut, and so our bioavailability goes up. So we've essentially increased our bioavailability just by putting this single amino acid on acyclovir to make val-acyclovir, or valtrex. Does valtrex work any differently than acyclovir? It has the same mechanism of action as acyclovir. What about the side effects? It has the same side effects as acyclovir. All right, so moving on to our over-the-counter medications for this week. The first one is docosinol, or Abriva. I've heard about this. It cures cold sores, right? Uh, I wouldn't say it cures cold sores. But it basically reduces the the time period that you're going to have cold sore. Well, it must reduce it a lot. It's pretty expensive. How well does it work? As far as how effective it is, it'll reduce the duration of a cold sore by about 18 hours. How often do you have to apply a Breva? A Breva application is recommended um, about five times a day. Whoa, I have other hobbies. So before we move on, I just wanted to point out that a Breva is only approved for use on the face, as opposed to other places where one might find HSV infection. So going from um, an OTC antiviral medication, let's talk about some OTC antifungal medications available. And the first agent we are talking about is terbenafin. The brand name is Lamis. So Lamisil AT or terbinafine is available over the counter as a cream, a spray, and a gel. The spray in particular, uh, as well as possibly the gel, they contain alcohol. So if your patient's got broken or irritated skin, please don't recommend them the spray or the gel. It'll really irritate that skin more. What are we actually using it for? We're using this over-the-counter formulations to treat most of the drop itch or ringworm infection. It is definitely not appropriate for nail fungus or vaginal yeast infection. And for those jack itch and ringworm infections, the treatment usually lasts about seven days. Whoa. Well, how does this terbinafine or Lamisil AT work? So kind of similarly to our azole antifungals where they inhibit an enzyme to make uh, the ergosterol, we inhibit a different enzyme using terbinafine called squalene epoxidase. So the inhibition will prevent the synthesis of ergosterol, which again is vital for the production of the cell membrane to keep it stable. Now I've heard that Lamisil or terbinafine is also available as oral tablets, but I can't find them in the -the over-the-counter section. Oh no, Dr. Weatherton, you're not going to find it in the aisle. You're going to have to come uh, to the pharmacy with a prescription because it's only available as prescription. For the oral tablets. That is correct. And these oral tablets are used for the fungal nail infection. Now, I've been to the OTC aisle and I've seen all different kinds of Lamisils. Lamisil AF, Lamisil AT. Are all of those agents containing terbinafine? Absolutely not. So looking at Lamisil AF, contains a different medication called tolnaftate. It's less effective. You have to uh, apply it to the affected area four times as long, so four weeks instead of one week. It's a totally different medication, but the average consumer would have no idea if they didn't look at the back of the box. So the -the over-the-counter Lamisil, which contains terbinafine, is going to be Lamisil what? Lamisil AT. So the other over-the-counter antifungal that uh, we'll be concluding with is Clotramazole or Myconazole, both of which are under the the flagship brand name Lotrimin AF. Now, Myconazole, to me, sounds a lot like Fluconazole. Does it work in the same way? Actually, it does. Again, it inhibits the 14-alpha demethylase enzyme that fungal cells make to, to create the cell membrane. 
And this formulation is available in powder, spray, as well as suppository form. So there's a different medication called Lotrimin Ultra that contains butinifine, which works similarly to terbinifine, but is under the brand name of Lotrimin Ultra. Dr. Patel, what are myconazole and clotrimazole in the Lotrimin creams, powders, and sprays used for? Both of the medication, if you're using topical form, are used to treat at least foot jockage and ringworm. However, the vaginal suppository forms are used for vaginal candidal infection. All right, so as a review of the medications for this week, we have fluconazole, brand name is Diflucan. Itraconazole, brand name is Sporanox. Ketoconazole, brand name is Nazarel. Oseltamivir, brand name is Tamiflu. Acyclovir, or Zovirax. And the cousin Valcyclovir, Valtrax. Our over-the-counter medications were Docosinol, or Abriva. Turbinifine, or Lamisil AT. Clotrimazole, or Myconazole, brand name Lodrimin AF. This concludes the Week 7 podcast. Again, my name is Dr. King. I'm Dr. Weatherton. And I'm Dr. Patel. Study hard. This has been an educational production by the Rosalind Franklin University College of Pharmacy. The theme music for this podcast is an excerpt of Metro Mix by Seasol, released under Creative Commons.